So I'm finding that every project we have, from the solar to the water to graveling to planting, everything is costing about 30% more than we had originally planned. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the stupid tax. <laughs> sure. Which yeah. is, you can't calculate for that. No. Nope. But... Welcome to the Off-Grid Outpost Podcast, where we discuss the journey to real liberty through self-sufficiency, counter-economics, non-aggression, and the agora. The Outpost represents the border between societal norm and the pioneer spirit. Every episode contains practical, philosophical, and technical information you can use to gain the freedom you deserve. Good morning, everyone. This is Regina with the Off-Grid Outpost Podcast. I am here with my co-host Cyrus. Good morning. And the theme of this show is all about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all me, me, me this me, time. Me, me. It's me. Uh, the theme of this show is what I have learned in my first month of going off-grid. Yeah, well, I mean... I'm not sure this is going to be a very short episode, right? Because, I mean, everything went perfectly smoothly. Of course it did. There's nothing to learn. <laughs> I know it all. <laughs> I know everything, not. Uh -huh. So, how did your first month go? Uh, it went crazy. Mm -hmm. It went good. It went bad. It went sideways. Up, down, left, and right. <laughs> All in all, do you regret it or? Hell no. This is the best thing I've ever done in my life. Good. Awesome. Yeah. That's what I figured the answer was. Yeah. Going from an overcrowded RV park situation, which we've been living in for the past close to five years, to being on 20 acres of raw land feels like paradise. Right. And it's so exciting to see all the little animals and you discover a lot once you get on your property and you start walking around you just start seeing things and noticing things and mm -hmm. that you don't notice at first uh, but before we delve into that fully i just wanted to make a quick note about what the nation went through this week holy shit or last week i guess it is yeah bunch of crazy cold shit yeah you went uh for a week without water, didn't you? Uh, I think it was more like 10 or 11 days. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell us about that. Well, that's the longest we've ever gone with our water system frozen. But, I mean, I just we just rationed water and uh, used bottled water. Uh, didn't bathe. So that was fun. Didn't do yeah. dishes. So that was fun. Oh, my goodness. So dishes just piled up. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got all that back under control again now. So that's good. But, you know, you just don't panic. You know, it's not going to stay frozen forever. And you just get through it. No big deal. And you went down to at least zero. Or did you guys get negative temperatures? No, we didn't. We didn't get any negative temperatures. We did get a couple of single digits, but it was mostly in the teens. Which is really cold for your area. Yeah, for that 
for an extended time like that, that was pretty rare. Yeah. Normally, if we get into the 20s or down into the teens, it's just for a night or two, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But... But this was like a persistent deep freeze, so you could not... You couldn't... There was no time for your pipes to even thaw, basically. Uh-uh. No. And this is in Arkansas, so we're talking, you know, highly unusual weather for that area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the whole point of bringing this up is that, I mean, were you prepared at all for this to happen? It just came out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, we weren't really prepared because, like I said, it's just uh, not the case that it happens like that usually. So we we could have been better prepared for sure. Yeah. Um. But like I said, it just it wasn't that big a deal. And yeah, for you, because if, your ingu- ingenuity and off-grid lifestyle was not that big of a deal. But for people who yeah. rely on municipal systems, it's a huge deal. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people went without electricity for a long time. Yeah, and that's a big deal because then you know there were people that died from cold. People like you said that were burning furniture to stay warm, crap like mm-hmm. that. But that's living off grid, produce your own electricity, it solves that problem. Even exactly. if it's in a situation where you've got to ration your electricity, at least you've got some. Yeah. And yeah, so we could have been better prepared. We could have had a better uh, water st- uh, stock of water. Yeah. And if, if we'd have been in real big trouble if we didn't have four wheel drive. Oh but yeah. Since we had four, since we have four wheel drive, I was able to go to town every day if we needed to go buy a couple of bottles of water. It was not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. But it, had I not been able to do that, it it would have been a problem. Yeah. We'd have been melting snow for water and things like that, which we'd have still made it. You know, you just oh yeah, things change. Um, yeah. Yeah. But interesting. It's over. Well, the reason I bring it up is because we are entering into the grand solar minimum, which is a cycle where the sun actually goes somewhat dormant and creates a cooling uh, system across the globe, which is funny because it contradicts the warming, the climate change warming that they have been preaching to us for two decades now. So... I feel that this polar vortex situation was kind of the kickoff of the grand solar minimum because a grand solar minimum was to, supposed to kicked off in the 2020. So here we are 2020 going into 2021 and we are seeing this extreme weather event uh, envelop 80% of our nation. So my point being is that we are definitely in the grand solar minimum. There is no denying that it's scientifically proven there is reports from NASA. There are reports from universities that we are in the grand solar minimum. This is not a conspiracy theory. The question is, how will it affect our weather systems? To what degree? Mm-hmm. So the point is to be prepared for this solar cycle and be prepared for more colder weather, more radical weather events, flooding, hail. Yeah. Um, so... I would not expect this to become, I would expect this to become a regular thing, potentially. Yeah, and there's some things we can do to mitigate those problems. There are things I can do. I could make my water system 
unfreezable. Right. Just takes, you know, more work, more material. And I can get that all set up where it won't freeze. Yep. Uh, which is something I should consider doing before next winter. But the, it it's a it would entail a lot of small projects that create a large large scale project, which I should probably do. I just really feel like you should. Just mm-hmm. with the knowledge of the Grand Solar Minimum arriving in 2020 and then seeing this weather event and seeing this weather event probably repeating itself every year, possibly getting longer, more brutal. I would hedge that this kind of shit's going to keep happening. So you'd behoove yourself. Mm. And what's the, what's the, I mean, the worst case is that it doesn't freeze, but you're prepared for a freeze. Right. I know it's a lot of work, Mm -hmm. a lot of time, whatever, but you know, sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and, steal yourselves against these kind of things well and that's what preparing is you you put in all the time and work up front so that when you need it it's there yeah just something to think about folks unless you live on the equator but then if our poles you know our poles are moving that's also scientific fact it could uh, even disturb places like the equator Kristen, I'm talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So back to the original topic, what I have learned in my 30 days. So the first biggest thing I learned is to own a generator. If you are off grid, I don't care how big and badass your solar power system is or your wind power system or whatever you have. You better have a freaking generator because chances are you're going to need it. Yeah, you're going to need it because things are going to go wrong. Things, I mean, even if you've built your system perfectly to supply all of your needs, it's going to go down from time to time because of this or that. And if you've got a generator, that's not that big of a deal while you're getting it back online. And it's nice to have portable power. So for us, we're on 20 acres. So if we need to use that generator somewhere else to run some tools or whatnot. We can move the generator Mm -hmm. with us and give us power throughout the ranch. Uh, But mainly, so when we went off grid, we're in Arizona, which there is a plethora of sun and has been a plethora of sun. The day we installed our solar setup, which is a 12 kilowatt setup, it's pretty substantial. It just decided to be cloudy for a month. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, literally, like, we must be gods. (laughs) Because the day (laughs) we set it up, it was cloudy for a freaking month. (laughs) Yeah. We have this massive control over the weather. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. We're not gods. But it was unexpected. And we weren't particularly prepared to lose sun for that long. So we were on our generator two thirds, three quarters of the time. Yeah. So we're hauling gas. We're running a ton of propane in the camper. So it was just, it was a almost an unexpected expense in a way. Right. And then, you know, we're thinking about diversifying now with wind 
because uh, when it, every time it was cloudy, it seemed to be windy. So had we had a small wind generator, we would have been fine. Right. So that would be the first lesson of going off grid that I learned. I, I would have guessed the first lesson was going to be it always costs more and takes longer. Uh, yes, that would be the second lesson. <laughs> oh, is that number two? Okay. <laughs> These are not in order of importance, by the way. <laughs> okay. Holy shit. Everything's more expensive right now. More expensive than things have ever been, I think, ever in the modern history of our country. <laughs> yeah. So I'm finding that every project we have, from the solar to the water to graveling to planting, everything is costing about 30% more than we had originally planned. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the stupid tax. <laughs> sure. Which yeah. is, you can't calculate for that. Nope. But when you did your original calculations for what it was going to cost, did you add in a percentage just because you thought it was going to cost more? Or did you not do that originally? Oh, no, I didn't do that originally. Of course not. <laughs> okay. That would have been too, like, you know, fortuitous. <laughs> so for future projects, you'll figure out what you think it's going to cost and you'll add 30%. I think so, yeah. And if we come in under budget, yeah. then even better, you know. But right. what happens is, is everything requires so much different hardware that you can't foresee all of it. All the screws, yeah. nuts and bolts, the tools you need, things like that is just very hard to put it all together in your original design process. Yeah, and it's one of those things too, like if you were a professional solar system installer and did and did it daily on a regular basis, um, yeah. even then you'll still miss stuff because every situation is different. So exactly. Yeah, that was one of our big uh, oversights, which brings me to the third lesson is do not cut corners. <laughs> oh, man, you're not yeah. saving yourself any time. You're not saving yourself any money to cut corners, to not thoroughly research. It does not behoove you at all. And we did a little bit of that in our solar system design because we were in such a hurry to just get it up because that was our main power source. So not only did we have bad weather for solar, we also uh, skipped an important step, one of the most important steps, which is to tilt your solar panels. <laughs> and I knew it. I knew it, but I decided to ignore it because I was, think I was in a little bit of denial. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just easier to slap them up on the roof with some $30 brackets, you know, $30 to mount 12 panels. And we paid the price for that in time yeah. and money and redoing shit. We paid the price. So uh, what we found out is tilting your solar panels increases your solar input by about 50%, especially in the winter. Yeah, that's a huge... Yeah, that's a huge amount. Yeah, we were just never able to charge our battery bank 
which is a 2,400 amp hour battery bank. It's a huge bank, but we have 12 275 watt solar panels, which should be able to charge that bank. And so we kind of were ruminating over what we did wrong. And we thought, well, you know, we have our solar panels flat, but that's probably only, you know, 10, 15%. Come to find out it's like 50%. And sure enough, when we tilted them, we got 50% more power into our system. Mm-hmm. A huge amount of power. And so during, so during that time when your panels were mounted flat on the Connex, yeah. did you ever get your battery bank to 100%? Uh, we got it to 100% one time, and we did not run that system for three days it took us to get to 100%. Yeah. And yeah. it was partially cloudy a lot, too. So we were really struggling with our power, like, for a while. Really, this whole month, this whole first month, we have been struggling with our power. So tilt your panels. Tilt your panels. And we actually ended up building our own uh, bracketing which is uh, we can adjust the tilt because as your, you know, as the sun changes, you need to change your tilt four mm -hmm. times a year, ideally spring, summer, fall, winter, you need to be uh, changing the tilt for maximum input. And so we built our own bracketing system. It costed about $800 in materials and two days of work which is a lot. And our work days are 10 hours, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'd say 20 hours of work. And that includes going to the store and getting all the shit you need. Right. Windshield time. Yeah. And then there was a couple additional trips to the store, which is time to buy, Oh, we need more of this or we need more of that. Um, so really it was a, a pretty big expense that we got blindsided by. Mm-hmm. But there were no pre-built tilting systems that would even accommodate our panels. Yeah, and those pre-built things are expensive anyway. They're it very would, expensive. It would have cost you twice as much if you'd have found one to buy. It's very expensive. So what our situation is is that we're our panels are mounted on mounted on uh, the shipping container, as you know. So you can't just have one bracket per panel. Because as you tilt, it will cast a shadow on the panel behind it. And because mm -hmm. we're on such a narrow path on that shipping container. So we had to build a bracket to hold two solar panels. And there was just nothing like that. Yeah. So, you know, the average Joe who is not handy would have to hire a solar uh, company to build them solar bracketing, which would have costed, I could only imagine if we paid someone to do this work, it probably would have been four or five grand. Oh, wow. Yeah. To build custom bracketing. Yeah. So that was a huge spank <laughs> for us, but we got through it and we learned and now we know. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. So that's what three things we've learned. One was to have a generator. Two was that everything costs way more and takes more time. And three, uh, don't cut corners. Tilt your panels. Yep. And what was the deal with your uh, water? 
didn't you have an experience with your water too, your pump? Yeah, uh, that's another well, struggle we've had. Uh, well, for a whole month, we have had very poor water flow into the camper. And the way campers are designed is that your fresh water tank is in the underbelly at the lowest point of the camper. And your pump sucks the water out of the fresh water tank. As opposed to when you're on a municipal system, you're constantly getting pressure into the camper. So that four foot of head gave us really big issues with our pump to the point where our water was almost unusable for this last month. So we have struggled with power and struggling with that daily. And then we've been struggling daily with our water situation. And uh, not very much bathing was happening. Because <laughs> <laughs> it really sucks when you're in the middle of your shower and the water just decides to stop pumping and you have to flip the water pump on and off several times. It was just a disaster. So Cody devised a way to hook up an external tank, which is our 330-gallon IBC tank, directly to the pump, which has completely resolved all of our issues, which took a lot of internal work in the camper and external work to set up the tank system and hardware to have that tank go down to water hose size. And we ended up buying a better pump too, because we realized our onboard pump that came with the camper kind of sucked. So that was money, hundreds of dollars and mm -hmm. time and frustration. So we just got these systems repaired two days ago. Actually, we did the water yesterday and the bracketing the day before we finished. So we just pulled out of this crunch zone. <laughs> right. But we weren't uncomfortable. It was just inconvenient. Right. So we're still living good. It just kind of sucked. <laughs> and that's and that's really the process of going off grid because when you've grown up all your life with municipal systems all around you providing everything you need you uh you just take for granted all that stuff and then you move off grid and you realize oh shit this didn't work and I, how do we fix this i got to do this i got to build that it's just an it's pretty much a a never ending process because well for us it's never ending because we're always trying to improve this system or that system and yeah. And then there are ideas we haven't even touched yet, you know, of things we want to do to make things more self-sufficient, think projects we hadn't even got to. So, yeah, it's just an ongoing yeah. deal, which in a lot of ways, yeah, there's frustrations at times, but it can be fun too. Fit solving those problems can be satisfying. It was actually a lot of fun and the reward is really phenomenal. The reward of, oh my goodness, we actually have power now. We're not just, you know, our power has died in the middle of the night. That runs our furnace. And it's been chilly here, you know, 20 degrees, 30 degrees. So we're up in the middle of the night, you know, starting up generators, swapping out propane tanks, you know. So mm -hmm. once you get relieved of these kind of burdens, it's like so satisfying. You know, just to see the, the panels tilted was so satisfying because it looks amazing. And the, mm -hmm. the output's amazing. And fixing the water. 
I'm like, oh, wow, I can turn on my sink and I have water. That's like mm -hmm. amazing feeling when you go without it for right. a period of time. So, yes, the it's extremely satisfying. Mm -hmm. But what I'm really hoping is that we are addressing these critical systems now and we will get to the point of maintenance mode. Right. So it won't be all, like we've talked about before, going off grid is so front-loaded. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, in a time like this, you guys, you went 30 days struggling, you know, 30 days and a few thousand dollars later, now you have power. And at a time where 15 million people in Texas haven't had power for over a week, that's yeah. a pretty big deal, you know. There's a it lot is. of people out there that can appreciate how big a deal that is right now because so many people have gone without power. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a definite good point. No, I'm so glad for our systems. I'm so grateful for our systems. Um, another thing that I learned is it just, it takes a lot longer. So, and we consume a lot more than I realized. And I had no idea in the power aspect of how much we consumed and how much it actually took to run this camper. And now I can physically see it. I can contextualize by looking at the battery bank, by looking at the panels of how much energy we actually consume as human beings. Mm -hmm. That the, the power grid just pumps to us freely. You know, you just have to pay your bill and you get as much electricity as you want, more or less. So once we went off grid and I really saw the power usage, like, wow, we use a lot of power in general. And we don't use nearly as much as other people do. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge wake up call. Um, water, we're hauling in water. I'm able to contextualize now how much water we use because we're hauling it in. Whereas before on municipal systems, you turn it on, you pay a bill and you don't think about it. Mm hmm. It's pretty, the magnitude's pretty significant. And we don't use a lot of water in general. We're already water conservers. So I could only imagine what regular households use. Right. And then it just takes time. You know, we're hauling in our propane. We're hauling in our water. We're hauling in gas for the generators. All of these ta things take time. So not only are we busy with our regular day-to-day -day stuff like we were on grid, we now have additional Tasks, chores. errands, mm -hmm. chores, yep, that I, I mean, I accounted for it, but I didn't account, I didn't quantify it very well, I guess is the way to put it. So that'd be another lesson. It takes a lot more time to do things, to keep the ranch running, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a job in itself, but it's different because, you know, as opposed to if I'm working... 60 hours a week for someone else, it doesn't feel the same as if I'm working 90 hours a week on all my own shit. Right. I'd rather work 90 hours a week on all my own shit than 60 hours a week for someone else so that I can pay for utilities given, you know, provided for me. Yeah. With a, with a wage. Well, and I think that's I kind of the final lesson is the extreme satisfaction of living off grid is profound, much more profound than I was expecting. 
Awesome. Yeah. It's wholly satisfying to be independent in every single possible way. And, and it's freeing. And I got a bunch of seedlings in. So soon I'll be gardening and growing food. We're capturing and making our own energy. You know, soon we'll have our well in. We'll have our own water. And we're setting up all these systems to be completely independent. And there is no other feeling on earth like it. Yeah. Yeah. Self-reliance. Yep. It's extremely rewarding. It's exhausting. I mean, my whole body is sore. (laughs) (laughs) You know, hoisting up 40-pound solar panels onto the roof, hoisting up brackets, you know, freaking getting cinder blocks out of the wash, moving rock, digging, toiling. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. but it's worth it all. Like, it's 110% worth it. I'm so glad. So final lesson is it's worth it. 100%. (laughs) Well, cool. Anything else? You know, I could, I could go on and on. uh, But I feel like that kind of, that kind of wraps it up in general. Uh, We're building a crop cage. We're building a 30 foot by 45 foot, uh, basically a protection system where we can garden, but keep animals out. Because we have a lot of deer, we have javelina, which is a new world pig, we have bunnies, we have quail, all the little critters that want to eat the garden. They're all right here. Oh, yeah. And uh, coyotes. So there was a coyote, we threw a couple melons out for the deer that were, you know, old melons that expired and the deer loved it. Well, apparently coyote loves melon too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I'm like, shoot, even the coyote's going to come in and eat my melons. <laughs> right. So we're building a 30 foot by 45 foot uh, crop cage that'll co- basically be uh, built out of lumber that will have bird netting around it or chicken wire. I'm not sure which one we'll do. We'll probably do chicken wire. That will actually go into the ground about a foot just to keep from animals digging underneath it. So that's our next big project. Cool. And then I'm going to make it to where uh, I can attach greenhouse plastic where I can roll it up in the summer and then I can roll it down in the winter. So it'll be a modified uh, greenhouse as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. I thought about that yesterday. Yeah, that's going to be a big project. It's a huge project. It'll be expensive. It'll take time. But it will be so awesome to not have critters in our garden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and be able to grow during the winter as well. So really hitting the gardening hard because I do believe that we're going to have some serious inflation in our food prices this year. Yeah. Well, we've talked about it a number of times already, but this year's going to be crazy. I think it is. Yeah. I don't think we're out of the woods yet. And I'm just sick of my food coming in plastic. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm so over it. Covered in, covered in wax because they wax all the fruits and vegetables, you know. I'm ready for real food. And then we feed the critters, so it's not like they're getting starved out. That's kind of a strategy, too. If you feed your critters, they will be less apt to go in and destroy your garden. So we have bird seed for the birds. We have, like, a feeder brick for the deer. We give them water. And so we satisfy them, and they're used to that. So when the crops go in... They won't even, you know, 
they'll be interested still, but not nearly as interested if they're real hungry. Right. That's a good idea. Yep. I think it'll, I think it'll actually work. So, and then we have the chicken coop we're putting in too, which will come after the crop cage. So it goes on and on. Mm-hmm. And then we're trying to acquire the parcel next to us, which will give us another 10 acres, which will actually be our grazing land for larger livestock. So, but that probably won't be till next year. So it's just, like you said, it's just constantly adding in more systems, refining, getting bigger and better, living, living the homestead life. Well, that's awesome. I think that's all useful information for people thinking about going off grid. That's good stuff. Yeah, first-hand experience, fresh out the gate, you know. <laughs> right. I can I can listen to this episode a year from now and laugh about it. Be like, yep, that happened. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you enjoy our podcast, give it a like on whatever uh, platform you're listening on, and you can reach out to us at theoffgridoutpost.com. You can message us there. We'd love to hear your feedback. We have cool shit on there. Check it out. Well, until next time. Talk to you later. Later.